Before entering King Tutankhamun's tomb in 1922, Sir Howard Carter and his expedition were greeted with an eerie warning. Carved into the walls were a set of hieroglyphics that read, Death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. We now know this pronouncement as the curse of the pharaohs. Dun, dun, dun. Very dun, dun, dun. Shortly <laughs> after discovering Tut's tomb, members of Carter's expedition started getting picked off like flies. Should they have heeded the tomb's warning and stayed away? Is the curse just a bunch of hokey? And going even broader, uh, why the fuck were a bunch of British people looting another country's treasure? All this and more on today's episode, where we explore King Tut's curse. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this season of the show is all about historical true crime. We are exploring history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, we're talking about King Tut's curse. Very spoopy. So spoopy. The spoopiest. (laughs) I mean, do you believe in curses? You know how, like, everyone has a horror movie thing that they're the most afraid of? The thing that I'm most afraid of in horror movies is ghosts. And it's like, you know... When it when it comes down to it, I'm like, no, I guess I don't believe in them. But then it's like, why am I so afraid of them? There must be some kernel of like, but what if? Or like, you, I don't know. I heard a good phrase on the internet. It was like, um, I don't fuck with ghosts, so they don't fuck with me. Like, I'm not going to tempt fate. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it is to me. It's like, mm, if I'm really pressed, like, I don't know. I don't really think that they're like floaty white things, but... I don't know. There's shit out there I yeah. don't know about. Who the hell knows? I mean, flying saucers are real. The government confirmed that. UFOs are real, guys. <laughs> so who the hell knows? That's how I feel about this This curse, other curses. Like, well, I'm, I'm not going to get in the way of a hex <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dying. This is this is not my battle. This is not where I lay it <laughs> yeah. out on the line. Yeah. I mean, let's dive into this curse and... Listeners, you can tell us what you think. Is it legit? Is it not? I have the very fun job of telling you about creepy shit and giving you the spicy version. So as you may or may not know, in 1922, Howard Carter, a British man, discovered King Tutankhamun's tomb near Luxor. And as we said in the intro, there was a warning. It told the people, don't come in here, please. Not even please, just like, don't come in here. Yeah, like, don't come in here. The warning is pretty unequivocal. They don't buy it. They go in. And they find a lot of amazing things. They find the sarcophagus. They find artifacts. They find all the cool shit. But then something finds them. Here's what the fallout of this discovery is. So Howard Carter's financial backer, Lord Carnivon, who was on the expedition. He wanted to make sure Carter wasn't, you know, frittering away his money. So he's shaving when he slices open a mosquito bite, and that bite becomes infected soon after the discovery, and he dies. So that's death one. Why don't more, like, moms use that when you're, like, scratching mosquito bites? (laughs) Lord (laughs) Carnivore died when he did that. (laughs) Something else happened that people also kind of loop in to the Carnivon story. So Carnivon's brother, 
this is such an early 1920s medical story. He got all his teeth pulled out in an attempt to stop his eyesight from devolving. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Yes, his eyesight was quickly devolving. And the doctor was like, don't worry, I know how to solve it. I know it. the problem. I'll take out your all teeth. your teeth. <laughs> and Lord Carnarvon's brother was like, sounds great, I'm in. <laughs> well, you're the yeah. professional. <laughs> it, yeah, well, it didn't work. <laughs> so he, A, like, for sure did go blind and then died from an infection from the tooth thing. Oh, no. I know, the worst of both worlds, this poor man. Oh, my God. So anyway, Lord Carnivon dead. Lord Carnivon's brother, dead. Then... Carter gave his friend, Sir Bruce Ingham, an artifact from the tomb. Some sources say it was a mummified hand turned into a paperweight, which I like it. Where do I find that aesthetic on Pinterest? Anyway, Ingham's house burned down. And then after he rebuilt the whole house, it flooded. Oh, you know, not good. Not good. Uh, the people who discovered the tomb and the people who visited it just kept kind of suffering bad fates. Um... Archibald Douglas Reed, who was a man who x-rayed King Tutankhamun's mummy, he died in mysterious circumstances. According to a Mental Floss article, he got sick immediately after examining the body and then died just three days later. Hmm. It's not suspicious at all. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be A visitor to the tomb named George Gould became mysteriously ill after entering, and he died of pneumonia a couple months later. A man on Carter's team named Aaron Ember died when his house burned down. I'm not making up that his last name is Ember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that was not lost on me either. Well, sorry, bud. <laughs> I actually read that. I think it's possibly he was having a party, but either way, like he and his wife were, were both in there and they made it out. And then the wife convinced him to go back to get a manuscript of his. And that's when he died. And apparently the manuscript had like a spooky Egyptian name, like uh, the mummy's tomb or something. The death of the mummy, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps going. A man named Sir Henry Breasted. Hey he broke into the tomb with Carter. Soon after, a cobra got into his house and killed his bird, such that when Breasted got home, he looked into his bird's cage and he just saw a cobra, which is a symbol of Egyptian royalty. Ooh. And another member of Carter's expedition named Richard Bethel was smothered, so he got murdered. Then Richard Bethel's father completed suicide. And I've saved the best for last. The scariest proof of King Tut's curse is in the fate of a man named Evelyn White. He visited the tomb and may have helped with the excavation. He was kind of buddies with Carter, but we don't know if he was, you know, officially on the team. So two years after the discovery, Evelyn White hung himself and he left a note that read, quote, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. Ooh, it's that disappear. That's a... It's freaky. That's creepy. And, and, there's more. There's more. According to legend, the note was written in White's own blood. Ooh. So, you know, too long didn't read. Like, don't fuck with ancient Egypt, guys. It's not a good idea. So that's the spooky version. But Dancy's going to tell us, you know, another another take on these tales. Yes, I am here to be the voice of reason. The and that, you know, I guess that sounds like a downer thing, but it's not because because uh, I'm fun and and 
And the truth is always fun. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. This is a bit compelling when you put it all together like that. All these people. You die. You die. You die. Your house burns. Your house burns. You get smothered. Your relative (laughs) dies. But let's just, like, dig a little deeper on this, please. So, Lord Carnivan. Now, people who don't believe in curses at all... Some of them have gone a slightly more rational route and said, okay, what if there was like a toxic fungus Mm. in the Pharaoh's tomb? Mm -hmm. This theory is, you're kind of like, okay, but I will say a lot of other people have debunked even this, even this kind of rational Mm -hmm. thing, partly for reasons I'll get to and partly because the stuff they found hasn't necessarily added up to fungus. The other thing about Lord Carnivan is that this dude was in bad health before he ever met King Tut. He was prone to lung infections, um, and people actually thought that one bad bout of bronchitis would kill him. I can't go out. Uh, uh, I'm sick. Boo, you whore. I know dude wanted to make sure his money was safe, but maybe he should have stayed back on that expedition. Go to, like, a seaside town. Rest up. Yeah. He had a bad immune system. So when the mosquito infection worsened, it ended up producing this fatal pneumonia that he he couldn't fend off. So yeah, not a healthy guy to begin with. His brother, he of the, I'm blind, so let's pull out my teeth. (laughs) Honestly, that guy doesn't sound very healthy either to me. (laughs) (laughs) This family is not extremely robust. (laughs) And even if he was completely healthy, like, I'm sorry, if you take out someone's, all their teeth in the 1920s, you know, shit can just go wrong, okay? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, the doctor did pull out all my teeth while I had this other thing going on with my eyes, but I think it's the mummy. It's definitely the mummy. (laughs) So as for the rest of of these people, or some of the rest, I won't go through everyone, but let's just get like a a quick overview of the other players who are supposedly getting killed left, right, and center by the mummy's curse. So (laughs) Ingham, the guy who got the hand and then his house burned down and it flooded. Well, first of all, he didn't even die. (laughs) No, he didn't. Just sounds like he has house troubles. (laughs) Maybe he just bought a shitty house, you know? Yeah, exactly. He needed to do, like, he needed to have uh, Homes on Homes come and take a look at it (laughs) before he bought it. Uh, Archibald Douglas Reed, the radiologist, well, he was a radiologist, and radiology was not so healthy in those days. Very good point. (laughs) He had radiation dermatitis on his hands already at the time, and guess what? His health was failing. (laughs) Um... George Gould, the visitor who caught a fever and then died, well, he was 59 when he died. Now, not so old, but not, again, the best of health. His death also, and this is a quote from the Wikipedia page, his death, quote, came quietly and was expected as he had never rallied from the illness from which he had been suffering all winter. (laughs) (laughs) So, again, (laughs) like if I take my 99-year-old grandma to visit King Tut's tomb and she dies the next day... Is it the mummy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aaron Ember is one of my, like, favorite nonsensical ones. Like, again, unfortunate name for a man who died in a fire, I'll admit. (laughs) But he wasn't even at the tomb. He was just friends with some of the people who were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, this is part of the mummy's curse, is that if anything happens to anyone tangentially related to the expedition, like it gets looped into the curse. Well, let's just retcon everything yeah. and make it fit that narrative. Yeah. So now the final one, Hugh Evelyn White. Also, we got to bring back Evelyn as a boy's name. 
Evelyn and Vivian. I love those boys' names. Anyway, Evelyn White, who I think is the creepiest one. Oh, yeah. That note is terrifying. But the thing about his death is he very clearly succumbed to his own paranoia and plus depression, I have to assume, of the curse. He saw people dying around him. He made his own inferences. There was kind of a media firestorm at the time. And then he writes this note. That doesn't make him a part of the curse. It makes him believe in it. It makes the curse a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, yes, exactly. Also, we don't know if he's talking about the mummy's curse. You know, maybe he's just using curse as a general term. Like there's, you know, some kind of terrible presence surrounding my life and I'm, you know, I'm going to just end it all. Right. And so when it comes to the victims, it's really so on and so forth. I mean, the truth is, it's important to remember that even with all of these strange occurrences, there were a lot more people present at the tomb. And the number is 58, to be exact. Why are there that many people? I don't know. <laughs> because of colonialism. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, meanwhile, only eight people there died within a dozen years. The rest of them lived long lives. Howard Carter himself died of lymphoma almost two decades later. And Lord Carnivan's daughter, Evelyn, was also one of the first people in. And she only died in 1980. I read this article on JSTOR that talks about this guy did um, research into, you know, what happened to the rest of Mm -hmm. them. And the quote is, the only variable that seemed to influence life expectancy was being a woman. Because Evelyn lasted so long. And in reality, you know, newspapers, even literature at the time, is really what carried the curse, produced the curse, continued it on. Um, I also, and this will lead into what Veronica's going to talk about, I I just want to note that maybe one of the reasons why this caught on so much and why we still like the idea of a curse, besides like love and spoopy stuff, is that it's some kind of karma for these awful men. Um, (laughs) The expedition is super colonial, as we'll note. Um, And even George Gould was a robber baron. Like, he was a hugely, fantastically wealthy man. And I wonder if part of what makes the idea of the curse so pleasant, so compelling to us today, is this idea of cosmic comeuppance for these these crimes. Um, Mm -hmm. In any case, speaking of super colonial... So here's the thing. As Dancy says, and as I think makes sense, the mummy's curse may not be legit. But there is this other true crime angle to the story. And I think it's best represented by that scene in Black Panther where um, Eric goes to the Museum of Britain. That's what it's called. I wonder what that's code for. (laughs) (laughs) And he talks to this docent about the museum's African holdings. And he says, How do you think your ancestors got these? You think they paid a fair price? Or did they take it like they took everything else? Ding, ding, ding. B. The answer is B. (laughs) They took it. (laughs) So history lesson, kiddos. In 1882, Britain occupied Egypt. Occupied is a word that basically means Britain invited itself in and then refused Mm -hmm, to leave. mm -hmm. And once there, they made an agreement to, quote, share (laughs) excavated artifacts. (laughs) Yeah, they called it sharing. Okay. So this meant that people like Howard Carter came into town and took shit. Now, they had an agreement. So what Howard Carter did was legal. But as we've talked about in a few other episodes, the law makes shit legal. 
But the law is not always great. That's why mm-hmm. we have to keep fixing it. So Howard Carter didn't break the law. But the law was fucked up. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's fast forward 100 years from the 1880s to the 1980s. So at that point, Britain had been gone from Egypt for about 30 years. And Egypt, talk about repealing the law and changing it, they passed a new law. And they were saying, you know what? We've been thinking. And remember when you came here and wouldn't leave and you took all our stuff and then you didn't want to give it back? Um, You know, I actually think that that wasn't okay. And we'd like our <laughs> shit back, please. You know, you invited yeah. yourself into my home. You took my stuff said we were sharing, and then you just, like, left and never gave it back to me. And I'd like to just get a redo on that one, please. At this point, Britain's, like, a really, like, yeah, a really bad house guest who's just, like, eating all your food and laying on your couch and then being like, mm, squatter's rights, man. Squatter's yeah! Rights. <laughs> but we're sharing! This is sharing! <laughs> so, Egypt was saying, okay, if it's over a century old, that's actually part of our heritage. We are not down to share that anymore. We would like it back. Despite this, actually getting museums to give back the stuff they took under colonial power, you know, that process, surprise, surprise, museums don't really want to do that. (laughs) They're not really down. It doesn't really, uh, you know, help their mandate that much. No, the whole point of the museum is, you know, we take your thing, we keep it here forever. Can't give it back. So, like, famous examples of this. So, the British Museum will not give back the Rosetta Stone, which British soldiers literally stole from Egypt in the 1800s. Like, there's Howard Mm -hmm. Carter doing stuff, and it's, like, kind of legal. No, that was fully a stolen artifact, and they will not give it back. There's a museum in Berlin, which has the famous bust of Nefertiti. Like, if you look up Nefertiti, you'll see it. It's very beautiful. Yeah. They don't want to give her back. In Canada, increasingly, there's calls for museums to give totem poles back to First Nations and Indigenous nations, because in a lot of Indigenous nations, like the Stolo, for example, like a totem pole isn't supposed to be preserved. A totem pole goes up, Mm -hmm. it has a natural life cycle, it's wood, it rots, you lay it to rest, and then it regenerates the soil that builds more trees from which you can make more totem poles. AKA the exact opposite of what a museum is to its artifacts. Exactly. Complete opposite. And here is a wild statistic. This statistic blew my mind. Did you know what houses the most stolen goods of anywhere in the world, Dancy? Well, I do because I'm looking at our notes right now. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know before you saw them? (laughs) No, but I could have guessed. I could have guessed. It's the British Museum. Yeah, I've been to the British Museum. I remember walking the main entrance. There's a hallway that is like literally chock full. Totally every space on the wall is just lined with all these different, very obviously not Western uh, or not, at least not English artifacts. Mm -hmm. And then you go further. And like, again, the Rosetta Stone is, I think, a huge symbol of this. Mm -hmm. They have shit like enormous floor to ceiling temple doors. Full freezes. I think they even have like a full building facade. Yes, they do. You end up just being like, oh my God, the audacity (laughs) that someone would need to go through that much trouble putting this on a ship, shipping it, unloading it and putting it in. It's just, it's, it really hits you. 
The audacity is a very good term. Yeah, it's so ostentatious. Yeah, good old Elgin Marbles, too. I haven't even talked about that. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. You can look into the Elgin Marbles if you want a very contested holding of the British Museum. And this is not ancient history. Things are still getting stolen. There is a very active trade in stolen artifacts happening right now. R.E. King Tut, his sarcophagus and body are actually in Egypt at the Grand Egypt Museum, which if this podcast makes enough money, we'll be able to afford to go to and I will <laughs> pee my pants because it looks so cool. It looks so fucking cool. But other items relating to King Tut have been stolen. In 2019, Egypt and Interpol teamed up. They wanted to find this sculpture of Tut. It was like 3,000 years old. It was a big deal. Egypt was like, okay, well, our version of the story is that the statue got stolen in the 1970s. And the British auction house Christie's, they were like, actually, we got it legally and we sold it to a private buyer for like five million pounds. <laughs> so it's like a he said, she said. But important note, people do fake documents to make it look like artifacts are acquired legally. And then mm-hmm. they sell them for millions of dollars to major museums, museums that have resources to dig into these papers, figure out if they're legit. And then museums look a little closer and realize, oh, shit, we just spent millions of right. dollars on a stolen good. Like this happened to the Metropolitan Museum in New York City in 2019. Oof. They found out that they had spent a ton of money on an ancient Egyptian coffin that was stolen and Oof. smuggled out of that country in 2019. Oh, my God. So I just bring this up to be like, oh, Christie says one thing and Egypt says another. And just, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. And I th- I think it just distills how even when museums say they're doing stuff legally, it's really hard to know for sure. And their track record is really bad. So keep an open mind. I mean, I think a lot about museums for various reasons. Uh, This is slightly more on the theoretical end, but like what are museums for, even in Mm. in the best of all worlds? And I mean, I think that totem pole example is is a really good one. Like museums are where context goes to die, (laughs) Um, where artifacts, paintings anything that gets put in it, it becomes this kind of mausoleum that crystallizes these objects into something sometimes deader than what it's meant to be. And this is not a wholesale criticism of museums or that we shouldn't go see them or that they're not useful, but not everything belongs in the museum. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I think a lot about whenever I am in a museum. Like, how does this change once it's in a museum and in a frame and in front of people. Yeah, that's very thoughtful, right? Like, what is the museum for? And I think you're right that a museum is a little like a graveyard. All these things are so divorced from their original use, their original context. So yeah, TLDR, museums are messed up and very colonial. And these issues are not just from the ancient past. They are still happening right now. So the next time you're in a museum, you know, keep this stuff in mind. And I will end with a funny tweet that I think summarizes all these issues. The only reason the pyramids are still in Egypt is because they were too heavy to carry to the British Museum. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about King Tut, check out our article on him. The link is in the show notes. If you want to see Veronica's dumb history memes on social media, give us a follow on Instagram. Our Instagram is at Yesterday's News Podcast, or you can do it on Twitter, which is at Factinate Pod. You can get in touch by emailing us at Yesterday's News at Factinate.com. We'll be back next week with another historical crime to dissect. 
Until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was the original true crime documentary.